Friends, good to be with you this morning as we get into God's Word and our truth for today that we're looking at uh, dealing with remaining in Christ. How do we remain in Christ? Um, you know, that, that's the, the life of the disciple is not just um, walking with Christ, but uh, living with Christ, living in Christ, being in Christ, and uh uh, that's the call, really, the Christian life. And sometimes we approach it like, you know, the Christian life is this other aspect of life somewhere else, somewhere connected uh, to us, uh, something that we do once in a blue moon, once in a while, or maybe on Sundays. But really, the call, the Christian life, is to live with God every day. In fact, not only live with God, but live in God every single day. That That is the call of the Christian life and uh, 
That's what we're going to look at today, Talk this disciple talk. Yesterday, it's why, why bother? Well, if we're convinced, why bother? If we're convinced the fact that Jesus is God, he is Savior, he is Lord, he is who he said that he is, then it stands to reason, then, then what does this mean for how we live? And we live most fulfilled in the Christian life when we learn to live in God. Uh, take you over to the book of Galatians real fast, and uh, we've looked at this verse not that long ago, but I will take us over to the book of um, Galatians, the second chapter, where Paul has this to say. In verse number 20, chapter 2, says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I mean, that, that we would have this type of mentality, uh, crucifying of, of self. Uh, I mean, not a, not a literal, physical crucifying of self, but where we're dying to our flesh, we're dying to our desires, and we're living for Christ. He says, Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, we still go about on this earth in this body. He says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me, that that we would learn to live by faith in the Son of God at all times every single day. That's Paul's life. Uh, that that's what he says. He says in the book of Philippians, uh, in the second chapter, um, or the third chapter. Sorry about that. Get us into the right. Yes, the third chapter. Here we go. Um, Paul gives this great uh, resume, if you will, his CV, his vitae, and uh, down through uh, the first six verses of Philippians chapter 3. Then he says this in verse 7, but whatever was was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And then he says in verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Then he says in verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself Yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already obtained or attained, he says. Um, to live this out, this life of Christ, pressing ahead, pressing forward, trying to to live, oops, trying to live with Christ in this type of way, knowing him, loving him, pursuing him. This is where these daily readings that we can do become such a big deal. This is where spending time together like this and being encouraged and hopefully inspired to to live walking after Christ is such a big deal. Uh, you know, going back to John chapter 15, uh, Jesus, you know, Jesus could have said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to church. Uh, I want you to um, uh, say some prayers a few times a day. Um, I want you to, you know, try to have a daily devotion. I mean, devotion is a new word, actually. You don't read it in the Bible here. Uh, not that I recall the idea of devotion, devotions that we, hey, let's check off the list, our daily bread or our, our daily reading from the version Bible app or whatever it might be, which which we should do that. I'm not disparaging those things, but friends, that that, that is just the door. Uh, that, that is the entryway into the life in Christ that we are called to live. We are we are called to live in Christ, and uh, uh, this this living in Christ is is what we are called into. Not 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 just to listen to to Pastor Jim in the mornings, and not just. Uh, you know, our daily bread, but but to learn to live in Christ. That, that's what we're called to, 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 to fullness, because, and someone asked the question, are all believers called to be disciples? Well, by what we just read in Philippians, uh, the third chapter, let all of us who are mature take such a view of things, then I would say yes, absolutely. Uh, we are called to be followers of Christ. In fact, if you go back into the book of Matthew, chapter 10, uh, Jesus says something rather sobering to us. Um, chapter 10, book of Matthew. Let me show you some words that Jesus says. Do not suppose I have come to bring peace, but bring peace to the earth. I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. I mean, those that choose to follow after Christ, are, are, are there's going to be division that will come. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now, now he's not actually saying that what I've done, that, that's my purpose, that's my intent. But what's going on here is as we learn to, to walk with Christ, as we learn to follow after Christ, that is just the very thing that will happen. Uh, our, our families will say, you're, you're one of those crazy Christian people. I don't want anything to do with you. That's what's going on here in what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 10. He says in verse 36, a man's enemies will be members of his own household. Now, what we will do is we we will kind of maybe back away from our faith a little bit so that we don't 
and it'll cause cause people to hate us. But but Jesus himself says here in Matthew chapter 10, as we fall after Christ, there will be people who will back away. Uh, I, I lost friends when I began to follow after Christ. Uh, and sometimes what we'll do is we'll say, well, I, I need to kind of change up a little bit so I don't lose my friends. Well, maybe you will lose your friends. You have to choose. We have to choose Jesus, our friends. Or even in this passage, as it says here in uh, the 10th chapter of Matthew, maybe even our families that, that will take this position against us because we have chosen to follow after Christ. Really, I want to get into to living in Christ. We start in Galatians, the second chapter. We, we live, The life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God. But here we see Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 10 about, I did not come to bring peace to the earth but a sword. In other words, he, he's, not, he's not wielding the sword saying, I want to make this a, a nasty, chaotic world. But when we choose Christ, sometimes peace is not the result. And that's where he says in verse 35, I've, I've come to turn a, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. And then he says this in verse uh, 37, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I mean, what we've done in, in contemporary Christianity is said, pray the prayer. You know, uh, as was asked yesterday, I, I think the, the salvation prayer, the sinner's prayer can be absolutely legitimate. If the heart is in tune with that, if it's not just empty words being said, if, if, we, if we fully acknowledge Christ in, in that prayer, absolutely, that is a saving prayer. Um, we can say it and have it not have a, a salvific effect. We can say it and have it take salvific effect if our if our hearts are engaged and, and we believe and we pursue and and the beginning of regeneration or the regenerative work of the Spirit has taken place in our lives. But Jesus says some rather sobering words to us he, again here in in Matthew chapter ten about anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The one who uh, finds his life loses it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In other words, that, that Christ has the preeminence in uh, uh, Christ has the preeminence in our lives. Sorry, I get distracted sometimes reading the comments over there. Back in verse 37, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I just want to ask a question. I mean, uh, and I, it's not that I'm not a proponent of, like, focus on the family, but I have mused upon the reality and the, this particular question of have we gone too far? Uh, I, I think sometimes as Christians we place our family ahead of the faith. Uh, I, I just do, and, and it's a challenge. It's a struggle. I mean, uh, you know, if I went along with my kids fully, uh, where they might want me to go in my faith, I mean, they would. Some of them would have me leave what I do as a vocation, as, as a career, as a calling, because I don't make enough money. Dad, you need to do something where you make more money. You know, that, that's well. I'm called to this, and uh, 
trying to figure out how do we create some other revenue streams and some other things like the Apostle Paul did. Uh, but uh, I'm called to this, and sometimes they kind of bemoan the fact and say, well, you know, the sacrifices that you've had to make and so on and so forth. Uh, or the family comes first. Uh, no, our faith needs to come first. When we place our families first and not our faith first, uh, our families don't get the message of the faith. And this, this is a thing that I, I want to encourage us all to, to struggle with, to wrestle with, because these are the words of Jesus. Um, anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. I mean, the question that was asked is, are we all called to be disciples? Well, when you look at the words that Jesus is giving, anyone, he doesn't just say those of you who were in the original 12. He doesn't just say those of you that are, um, you know, in the original 70 or the original 120. He says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, now we can go too far with this as well. Uh, because the Apostle Paul later on will say a man who does not take care of his own family is worse than an infidel, that, that men have the responsibility for family care and for family provision and for family nurture and for family maturity and for family spiritual development. Men have the responsibility for those things. Yet, what do you think? Do we sometimes go too far? And really to evaluate the question, what do we love more than we love Christ? Uh, it, it, it could be that we love our pleasure more than we love Christ. It could be that we love food more than we love Christ. It could be that we love, yay, even coffee more than we love Christ. It could be that we love our wife more than we love Christ. It could be that we love our husband more than we love Christ. It could be that we love our children more than we love Christ. We are called to love God ahead of all things. And, and it's just the calling of the life. It goes all the way back into, uh, you can go back to the book of Deuteronomy, the great Shema of the Jewish people. And, and Jesus repeats that in the New Testament. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, says this. Hear, O Israel, down at verse 4. In fact, let me start at verse 3. In fact, let me start at verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Now, this is speaking specifically to the Israelite people, but there are principles that carry on throughout all time. It says, uh, so these are the commands, so that, verse 2, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as they live uh, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. I mean, if we want to enjoy long life, we follow after the Lord. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. I mean, we need to listen to the word of God and to obey the word of God. And he says, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey. This is verse Four, then down at verse, I'm sorry, that was verse three. Verse four says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, 
when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and gates. Uh, and then he, he just goes on from there. I mean, the things that we can do to help us in living out the Christian life. Now, I got to come over and check out some of the comments. There, there, are, there are comments, questions, things being said here. Uh, let me see what we have here. Uh, someone said, so after Jesus trained the disciples, he sent them on mission. Let's go in a mission field. The world around us is a mission field. Every day we go to the mission field. In fact, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, is the where we read the Great Commission. Some place the emphasis on the word go. Therefore, go make disciples. Well, the, the, the reality is, is actually this. Uh, the reality is... Uh, the, the reality is that we, um, we're told as you're going, as you're going, make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. As you're going, make disciples. Uh, not go and then make disciples, but as you're going. So as you go to work, you make disciples. Uh, as you go to the marketplace, you make disciples. As you... Uh, visit your neighbor, you make disciples. I mean, it, it's, it isn't that we have to go somewhere else. The mission field is right where we live. In fact, Maine is one of the most unregenerate states uh, percentage-wise of any state in the nation. Uh, Maine is a spiritually dark state. We live in a mission field here uh, in the state of Maine. We do. And, uh, we have a mission to do. Now, we could also go to a mission field. We could go to a place like uh, our friend Sandy Good uh, and uh, his team up in Alaska right now in Denali Park, stayed in tents last night. Uh, uh, I think it was last night. And, uh, you know, doing some reflection and, and some prayer and some journaling and, and probably over in the little town of Denali, maybe seek to do some uh uh, some surveys with people. Uh, Denali's a, a, a cute little town that's uh, not open year-round because it snows up there in the wintertime. Uh, but learning to go and do those types of things. Uh, this also said there should be an ongoing progression in our spiritual life from the point of accepting Christ to our last breath. There should be. We should, we should be growing in maturity in Christ. Now, I will tell you that when I encountered Christ at age 15, I, I just knew to love him. He became the most important thing to me. But yet, as life has gone on, other things uh, try to usurp that position in my life. Marriage could seek to usurp that position in my life. Being a father could usurp that position in my life. Um all kinds of different things could usurp that position in my life. Uh, pleasure could usurp that position, and, and that Christ would be the most important thing in our life. And and I, I came out of the gate that way. And yet, and maybe you were like that too. You come out of the gate, and you were you were warm for Christ. You were hot for Christ. You were in love with Christ. You wanted to fall after Christ. And yet, what happens along the way? Somewhere. The temperature cools in our faith. So how do we keep our temperature from cooling in our faith? 
this is where I really wanted to go today, and uh, I'll take us back over into that passage uh, over in um, the book of John, chapter 15. This is Living the Christian Life. John, chapter 15. Jesus says these words in John 15. He says, I am the true vine. My father's the gardener. He he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that will be even more fruitful. Now, any of you that have been around me for any length of time know that this is one of my favorite passages. And it's one of my favorite passages because it tells us uh, what we're supposed to look like in Christ. And, and there is much challenge in this passage as well, the idea of cutting off branches that don't bear fruit. Uh, I'm the fa- I, Verse 1, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be more fruitful. And so out of verse 2, we ask ourselves a question, and there is a lot of theological debate that can take place around verse 2. Uh, will I be a branch that gets cut off or will I be a branch that gets pruned? Which will I be? Now, I know that there is great theological import in in that question. I mean, the, the suggestion that you lose your salvation. Friends, you, you got to wrestle with the text, okay? We oftentimes form up a theological position and we're so dyed in the wool on that position that we will make passages say something that they do not say. I see a stark warning in this passage because verse 2, he, he, he talks about he cuts off branches that don't bear fruit uh, and pr- branches that do bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I mean, there's just a challenge there. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Now, see, some will go back up to verse 2 and say, well, branches, those are things in our lives. They're aspects. They're twigs. They're offshoots in our lives. No, when you go down to verse 5, he clarifies, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So out of this, we would be concerned with two things. A, we would be concerned with remaining in Christ. doesn't mean that you fall out of Christ, but it's the idea of you remain in pursuit, remain in relationship, remain in drawing close to Christ. And that was A. B, uh, that we bear fruit. I mean, we ask ourselves the question, are we bearing fruit for Christ and in Christ? And uh, this is a challenging passage. I mean, it, it just simply is. To me, what this passage brings out is the severity of faith, the reality of faith. Uh, some would take this and say, see, see, it says right there, you can lose your salvation. Um, 
there is some implication of that here in in this passage. And I know what the theologians do. I have read it. I know what they do with this passage. They'll say, well, what it, what it means is, well, if you just take it at face value, I think what it is is a stark warning on the part of Jesus. It's actually an affirmative positive warning, but it's a warning nonetheless that we need to continue living in Christ. Now, here's what we can say with this to comfort some of you who are uh, getting uh, willy-wagged out because are you suggesting we lose our salvation? Read the text. Just take it at face value. Now, let me do this again for those who are getting all willy-wagged out about the fact that uh, uh, you know, I, I am suggesting something. Uh, well, what some would do with this is say that, well, what it means you cut off is you weren't really in in the first place. Uh, you know, they they participated, but they weren't really in Christ. They weren't truly Christian. They they were hanging around the church and hanging around the Christians. Uh, but yet, notice what it says in verse two: every branch in me. Okay, it's in me. The branch is in him, and it bears no fruit. Um, Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire, and burned. I mean, there, there is a warning here. Verse 6 is one of those, so can we walk away from Christ? Now, again, for those that, that uh, get, you know, you, you have your theological box you have to check, uh, I, I can say this, verse 6. Perhaps the person wasn't really in Christ anyway. That that's that's how this gets taken. That's how this often gets explained. That perhaps the person wasn't in Christ in the first place. But what if they were? What what if he says, if anyone does not remain in me, this the the, the implication of not remaining means being that you were in in the first place, and uh, there's an implication to the to the text here. Uh, the, the implication is anyone does not remain in me is the implication that they were in gets cut off through the fire. Now, now I, I can show you a verse uh, in first Corinthians chapter three that uh, says this. I'll take you down and I'll show you. Actually, not the end. Of verse three, of chapter three. I'm sorry, First uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse nine down through fifteen. Uh, actually, through sixteen. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. He is the foundation. He is the beginning. He is the end. Uh, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, capital D, day of judgment, will bring it to light. I will. Uh, it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he receives his reward. 
if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only is one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are uh, you are that temple, that we are the temple. Now, verse 15 said, it, 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 things will be burned up, the person will be saved, only is one escaping through the flames. I mean, that, that speaks to the salvation, that speaks to, you know, all, all that you've done all your life just goes up in smoke. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you make the, the grade of heaven because of faith in Jesus Christ. But what you live for on earth uh, really counts for nothing. Uh, now, Paul gives one other verse that, that I, I think is a, a verse that I, uh, I mean, Paul doesn't give just one other verse. He gives lots of other verses. But, but here is a verse that I go back to quite, quite frequently. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Now, what's the test? Well, the test, can you answer the question? Yes, I've received Jesus. Yes, I've believed in Jesus. That is uh, John 1.12. That is the verse that talks about receiving and believing. It's there. Go read it. Uh, or the, the, the test of the inner witness of the Spirit, bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. That is Romans chapter 8, verse 16, that, that speaks to the inner witness of the Spirit. If you cannot answer those things, then you need to say, Lord Jesus, cry out to Lord Jesus for, for your salvation. Make sure that you're saved. Sometimes I think what we do is we we, we take the approach of, well, you know, I, I go to church, uh, you know, I, I listen to the radio, I, I listen to Dr. I, I got harassed about this this last weekend. I listen to Dr. David Jeremiah, Dr. Dr. John MacArthur or Dr. Charles R. Swindoll, and then somebody said, well, you didn't include yourself in that mix. Well, that's quite a lofty mix, but, you know, I listened to Dr. Jim Culbertson. There, I said it. The person harassed me about that relentlessly because you fit the bill. No, what have you done with Jesus? That's the main thing. And then for us to realize the call is to keep on living in Jesus daily to yearn after him. And tomorrow I'll get a little bit more into how do we remain in Christ? What are the keys to remaining in Christ? John 15 was kind of the the key operative passage I was looking at. Uh, in my thinking, that's kind of where I was launching out of this morning, but the idea of, of uh, uh, to remain in Christ. How do we remain in Christ? First, we've got to make sure we're in Christ. That, that That's step number one at John 1.12. Received, believed, uh, the inner witness of the Spirit, uh, Romans eight sixteen. There's this sense within you that yes, you know you are born again. First uh, John chapter five verses eleven and twelve. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. I write this to those of you who have believed that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, that's First John chapter five verses eleven and twelve. We just know. I knew when I was 15, I had eternal life. I've I've never doubted. Well, it's not true. There was a period of a few months uh, in probably around age 18 
when I had some doubts about my salvation because I still continued to sin. There was teaching that said, well, if you're really a Christian, you completely cease sinning. And, and I, I got confused by that. Fact is, we're, we're not going to cease sinning. We should seek to cease sinning, but we need to um, continue to pursue after Christ and seek Christ's forgiveness, ask Christ's forgiveness. He'll grant it if we ask for it continue growing in him and continuing trying to live in him. And, and since the age 18, I've never not once doubted my salvation, the fact that I know that I'm saved. Even when I'm sinning, I know I'm saved. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm saved, but I'm sinful. I, I've never doubted that. And for you to have that absolute conviction of heart, that absolutely uh, absolute certainty of heart that, yes, I am a child of God. I know I'm a child of God. Uh, to be absolutely certain, but then to go on from there and, and to keep on living there. Uh, the, the question is asked, is there a false hope? We think we're saved, but we're really not saved. Uh, and, and I already answered the question about how do we know we're really saved? I mean, the inner witness of the spirit, I believe answers that question. Um, there is a false hope. I think that probably there are lots of people who think they're saved. Can I suggest that uh, if if one thinks they're saved, but they if you ask the question, well, do you think much about Christ? No, I, I know I'm going to heaven someday, but I, I don't have time for that now. That person might not be saved. If there's no interest in the word of God, if there's no interest in the worship of God, if there's no daily thought or at least regular thought about God uh, and, and God and God's ways and God and God's word, that person may not be saved. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of false salvation out there in our world today. I think we've we've bought into a satanic lie, and, and so what do we do? Is we do this, uh, you, you know, get people to pray a prayer and uh, uh, say some words, but then we sometimes the failure is on us that we don't disciple people. That's why we call this daily discipleship. What does it mean to to live as a disciple? So I just. We need to help people grow further. We need to, you know, oh, they're saved. It's like, okay, we've done our job. No, we, we're just beginning to do our job. Now we need to walk along beside people and help them grow. If they're not interested in growing, if they're not interested, then then again, I mean, I, I, I there's a fair question raised. Is there a lot of false hope out there, a lot of false salvation? <clears throat> I do think that that, in fact, is the case. Let's make sure it's not us. Let's let's ask God to stir our hearts to want to pursue after him, to want to know him. Tomorrow we'll talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, what are some of the steps that we can take to, uh, to follow after Christ? How do we remain in Christ? What does that look like? What are, the, what are some of the necessary steps that we can take? So I just throw that out there. Uh, I, I want to see you remain in Christ. I want to see you grow in Christ because that's what God wants you to do is he wants you to grow in Christ and me to grow in Christ and us to remain in Christ and us to bear fruit for Christ. So, Lord, help us. Help us to bear fruit for you. Help us to have the desire to walk with you. Help us to have the desire to grow close to you, Lord. Help us to uh, point other people to you. May people see Jesus in us and want the hope and the joy that we have because of Jesus. Lord, be glorified in our lives today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Lord, hear our prayer. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you again tomorrow. Reminder, 
9.30 prayer time at the church this morning. See you then.